Taylor, thank you for coming on the show. Welcome to the Purpose-Led Leadership Podcast. We met on Instagram mm -hmm. and we kind of do the same thing, I think. Yeah. But I want to know all about you. Firstly, start with what you do now. Okay. So I'm actually a life coach, mindset coach and confidence coach. Um, and that's something I began three years ago now and it's gone so fast and so quickly and I've built it up to where I want it today. Mm. So why did you get into that? Because there's many coaches out there, isn't there? Yeah. There must be a pivotal moment. There actually was. So I'm 33 now, um, but in my early 20s, I always said to myself, I want to be a life coach. And it's because I've always wanted, I've always been that person that people go to naturally. Um, I'm, an, I'm an empath and I love to listen. And actually, mm -hmm. I'd love to create a safe space for people where it's a non-judgmental free zone. Um, and I just knew I'd be really good at it. But mm. the pivotal moment was when I was 27, and actually, I I had a bit of a low moment in my life, and it was three months consecutively. And that's when I just thought, I've had enough. I've just had enough of what I'm going to do now. Yeah. I don't want to be in retail management anymore. Um, and I need to get myself out of this hole that I've dug myself into. And no one can help me. So mm. that was the moment when I just thought, I need to actually get out of this. I don't know how. I just know I'm going to do it. Mm. And at the age of 30, I became a life coach and started helping people. I want to delve into the term life coach because a lot of, there's a lot of stigma around that. I mean, yes. I, I, I would deem myself as a life coach as well, but yeah. I'm not embarrassed to say that. But let's delve into that. But also when people say I'm an empath, there's also a lot of stigma around that. Why do you think you are? Um, how would you describe that in more detail? Of being an empath. Mm. I think it's very much about feeling people's emotions, but mm. also understanding people's emotions and wanting to understand them, even if you don't. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes we listen to respond instead of listening to understand. Yeah. And with an empath, that's the natural thing to do um, because we want to understand people's point of views. We mm. want to understand why they're feeling a certain type of way. Mm. Um, and only when you understand that can you actually respond in the correct manner. I think that's right. I mean, I do a lot of coaching with leaders and I, and I put empathy, compassion, kindness up there as fundamental and accountability and awareness. There's loads of stuff. But those traits, you know, compassion and empathy is fundamental traits in leadership. And I, th I think it's only been recently that that's almost been accepted to say because certainly in the line of work that I do, back in the day, leadership was about how high you can make someone jump or how hard you can make someone work and kind of dictatorial kind of leadership. And I think that that's changed quite a lot in general. What do you think? Yeah, and actually, I don't think it was leadership. I think it was management. Mm. That's what it was. Um, and it's funny you said that because I was a manager since I was 19. Wow. Um, and I was re in retail management. <coughs> and actually... I'm <coughs> so thankful for that journey because yeah. it took me to where I am today. Um, and that's when I realized I love being around people. I love developing people. I, love, I loved training people back then. Mm. Um, and actually when I got into retail management, it was very much about management, telling people what to do and not always yeah. leading by example. Mm. And then only probably in my mid 20s did I start to realize actually I need to lead by example and that is leadership and that is growth and that yes. is yes. getting people to progress because 
I know you mentioned this yesterday or the day before, it's very much about people want to be seen, people want to be heard. Yeah. They don't want to be told what to do. Yeah. Um, and that's how it's changed. It's very much about people want to learn, people want to grow, and actually mm. we're so slowly starting to understand that. I, I think society, education, the system indoctrinates people into thinking success is the size of your house, getting married, having ch- children, what job title you've got. And I, th- and, I, and I think money is really important, I really do. And having been a multimillionaire, lost it all, as everyone knows uh, who listens to me, um, I've kind of gone full circle on the on the whole money piece, but I think that um, it's a true statement that money isn't always the number one thing that motivates people, and this is where people get me wrong around. I think I think money's really important, but I think you've got to have things like purpose and all this kind of stuff as well. And I would put purpose and th- those kind of things above money. But what would you say to that? To be honest, I would totally agree. Um, but I think at a young age, it's hammered into us, well, it was hammered into me for sure, especially with my background and my mm. culture, mm. that success is when you become a doctor, a success yeah. is when you become a dentist, when you have a uni degree, yeah, yeah. Um, and actually when you can afford great holidays, when you have a big mm. house, when you have a great car, and you can show people that you're successful. Yeah. And I was actually in that trap mm. for many years, and it's only when I realized Money doesn't actually make me happy. So why is it called success? Yeah. Did I just pull away from that? And actually, I think in schools, for example, the educational system, it does teach you very much about maths, geography, English, mm. science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't know if it's there to celebrate creatives just yet. Mm. What would you have on the education curriculum if, if you had the chance? Oh, that's a good one. Okay, it would be very much about personal development and growth absolutely um it's about understanding and actually one thing would be relationships Mm. because relationships and that's just not with your partner that is friendships that's relationships with your family because these impact you yes on a day-to-day basis and no one tells you how to actually handle friendships for example that is really insightful and i'll add to that relationships with yourself as well yeah what do you think 100%. 100%. I think if, if you haven't got good relationships outside of work or outside of your career, you're not going to be able to develop them, develop them inside of work. But um, relationships is one of my sort of core aspects of what I teach because fundamentally in business, I've been very good at building relationships and I've held my hand up in personal life up until three or four years ago. Not very good with, with that. but And I think the only reason it's got a lot, lot better recently is because I've found the ability to have a relationship with myself and love myself and do that self-care thing. And people say that all the time, but the more I love myself in a non-egotistical way, it's almost like a reflection. I get that love back. And I think that I'd like to open it out to you as well. Yeah. And actually, I, I couldn't agree more because being a confidence coach, mm. it is very much about confidence, not about ego. It's about yeah. being comfortable in your own skin, being able to walk into a room and understand you bring something to the table mm. and not believing that you're better than anyone else or you're less than anyone else. Mm. Everyone is equal. Yeah. And it is about self-love because I am one of those people where I just feel like if you put good into the world, it will come back to totally. you. Yeah. I want to delve into the relationship. I want to talk to you about that crystal you've got around your neck, which looks amazing, by the way. Yes. But let's get under the skin of you as a person. Yeah. Um, Anxiety, mental health, dark times. I don't want you to paint 
a picture of just all the all the difficult things in your life. But I want to know what's challenged you. What's 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 influenced you positively and negatively. Give us a bit of a journey since school, if you like. Wow. Okay. So I've never really spoken about um, my teenage years, but I think when people look at me now, they see me as Z, the happy-go-lucky girl. She's just lucky in whatever she does. Mm. Um, and actually, I don't think people realize the story and the journey that I've been through. Um, because I tell my story a lot, but actually I never go back to my teenagers. So I grew up in an Asian household, one of seven children. I am the youngest. Wow, okay. Um, and actually, a lot of my brothers and sisters, they are, uh, they're all just beautiful in their own way mm-hmm. um some of them are book smart some of the some of them are street smart and i don't think that was celebrated when you were street smart when we were younger so i was yeah. always seen as like the um the creative one but a little bit can i say dumb okay uh, can i say that of course um because i just wasn't book smart I didn't mm. really enjoy science. I was actually yeah. very naturally good at maths, but yeah. I didn't enjoy it as much to push, push myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I always was, in, I don't want to say in competition because it wasn't a competition, but I think my parents compared me a lot to my brothers and sisters and that wasn't very easy. Mm. Um, and actually I grew up in Coventry, which was okay. years ago, it was a tough place to grow up in. Mm. Um, we grew up in a really rough area mm-hmm. um, called Hillfields, and it's it's edgy now, I guess. <laughs> um, but it's a lot better than when I was growing up. There was a lot of racism there, actually. So I was I was suffering with racism right. for like every day until I was about eleven or twelve, and then it was a lot less because um, mm-hmm. it was very up and coming. And it was interesting because when I was eleven years old, I developed a skin condition and I've never really spoken about it because when you're 11 when you're the smallest in the class Mm. your your skin color is not celebrated in your area you've got like this big frizzy hair that everyone else has like really beautiful long hair where it's just yeah I did not look the part and um and I got the skin condition and that's when I think my confidence really, really dropped Mm. because it was a skin condition where it was just all over my body, for example. Wow, okay. And it was a a big thing for me because the Mm. doctors didn't know what to do with it. They didn't even know what it was. And I actually had to go to the US for them to diagnose it. So were you kind of like bullied at school for that? Um, Yeah, I was. Okay. And I was bullied in school for being small. I was bullied in school for my hair. Mm-hmm. I was actually bullied in school for my nose as well. Um, so that was not the easiest of times when I was 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later on in my teenage years, I was really, really thankful because I formed a great friendship group. There, there weren't a lot yeah. of us, but there were a few people that really, really had my back. So I didn't ever want to go into victim mode at okay. school. I didn't yeah. know what victim mode was back then. Yeah. But... I know what it was now. I know sure. what it was now. Yes. Um, but I just knew that these people had my back. And no matter how many times I got bullied when I was in secondary school, I was going to be okay. Mm. Mm. On the victim mode thing, um, I mean, I've been public 
about my adversity and the stuff that's happened to me and also every time I've said that I, I now believe that you do get two choices there's always someone that's had worse adversity than you and all that kind of stuff and it's all relative and it's not about comparisons and things like that but I feel that unless it's a really heinously difficult situation that you're in more often than not you have a choice whether it's a victim or survivor kind of mentality um, and I think that ultimately it is how you respond. Yeah. It really is. Hmm. And actually, it's a mindset thing. Yes. Let's get on to that. So, you, you know, you're, you're a mindset coach. And I, and I think mindset is is, is, is so important. Um, we can talk about skills. We can talk about experience. But attitude, behaviors, and mindset is... The mindset you have, again, going back to yourself as well, the, the, the narrative that you, that you listen to in your head and all this kind of stuff, it's, it, it is about how you start with how you think and feel with it about yourself right yeah and actually if you don't i preach about this on my instagram all the time if you don't think you're good enough mm. how do you feel how do you think that other people will think you're well, good if you enough? don't think you're good enough you are not good enough it's yeah. a, it is as simple as that and it, 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 that sounds very straightforward but I, i've learned that what you feed and what you put into your into your mind and your and your and your body and you know things like exercise is important, isn't it? Is that you just got to start with the fundamentals of looking after yourself. Um, so, you obviously, difficult school period. Um, talk us through to because you, you said there was a turning point in twenty seven. I want to go through to that and that point as well, and go into d d detail about that as well. Okay, um, so. I can tell you about what happened when I was 19 first, mm. because this was a big thing for me. Okay. So this was actually a turning point as well, just in my life. Um, I always knew I was very creative, and I always knew I was just a little bit different to everybody else. Yeah. And when I was um, 19, I finished my BTEC in performing arts, actually, in sixth form. Mm -hmm. And I applied for drama school. And for me, and within my culture, and with my parents, drama school was always an honor to be able to go because yeah. I wasn't going to be a dentist. I wasn't going to be a doctor. I was going to be in drama. I was going to be an actor. Sure. Um, and actually, when I got there, and drama school was different back then. I don't know if it's similar now, but you have to, they don't have halls, so you have to actually rent a place. So right. renting a place when you're 19, you don't actually know who you're sharing with, with was a really, really big thing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I moved to Essex from Coventry right. and I had my place. I shared with two or three of the girls. I think it was two of the girls. Mm -hmm. um, I moved on the Friday and on the Saturday, I just thought, Z, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. I knew that whole year I did not want to go. Mm -hmm. And I had that like, you know, when you know, it's, it's your gut feeling telling you like, what are you doing? Get the hell out. Yeah. Um, and I just had that gut feeling and it was just, I've had it, I had it all year, but I just felt physically sick. Mm -hmm. And on that Saturday, I just remember calling my sister and saying, I don't want to go. I don't want to go to drama school. And she said, Z, you've not even started yet. Just mm. go to class on Monday and see how you feel. Um, and I called my mum that night as well. And she said, you have to go. Mm -hmm. You just have to go. Are you? And so this was a huge thing between me and my mum. And I was speaking to her a lot on the Saturday. On the Sunday, I said, Mum, I've made a decision. I need to come home. And she said, okay, so if that's the case, you need to call your dad and tell him. 
So I called my dad and he said, you are not coming home, you are staying put. And I just thought, I can't, mm. like I just can't do this. Um, so on the Monday morning, I woke up to have my first lesson in drama school Yeah. and I didn't go. Was it some sort of epiphany then or something just telling you not to do that? Yes. Okay. It was just this feeling of you're conforming to something yeah. you don't want. Because it strikes me, um, I think people of our age group um, are suffering from that indoctrination and that conformity. But being the youngest of one in seven children and being perceived or even told that you're dumb because you're not as academic uh, as, 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 as I mean, I, I would choose EQ over IQ anyway, uh, any day of the week. And I think that there's a big um, misconception around what intelligence is and, um, yeah, being a doctor or you know, getting A grades. I think, I think, I think people are becoming more aware of what success is and it's not a question of how well you do at school how well you do at university anymore i don't think what do you think no it's not i think success is different to every single person mm. success is different to you than it is to me mm. because ultimately success is what makes you happy mm -hmm. success is your goal mm. and your goal is very personal to you so why would we compare our success when your goal is completely different to mine yeah it for me it doesn't actually make any sense yeah, but it's, it's things like the, the advent of social media, and I, th I think that it, it is number of followers now, isn't it, almost, or, or how, how luxury or how, you know, clean you're living in terms of how you're perceived on Instagram and that kind of stuff. I mean, and I, and I think if we, if we measured success on substance and purpose and all that kind of stuff, it would be a different ballgame, but unfortunately we don't. I do wonder if people are scared to try and figure that out because it mm. takes a lot of patience to understand your purpose mm. and it takes a lot of growth. Mm. And I know I did it, I conformed for many years and actually my life was, I don't wanna say easy, but I didn't, it was just on autopilot. I didn't yeah. have to think, I just, it was mundane. Yeah, yeah. I did my day to day, went on Instagram, scrolled, didn't yeah. actually put content out there, but I just consumed the content. Yeah. Um, and that's a huge step to be able to just stop that and be like, hang on, mm. am I just following the crowd? Yeah. Or am I actually happy? Okay. So the 19 year old thing, when you said no to your dad or your father, was that the kind of the, the first kind of thing where you could start to rebel and sort of actually stand up for yourself and start to kind of be Z as opposed to being what your father or your mother wanted you to be? Yeah, that was a huge thing. Because Great. on the Monday morning, I called my sister and I said, I'm getting the hell out of here. Yeah. I'm coming to live with you. And she, my sister lived yeah. in London. Um, so I couldn't go back home to Coventry because my dad said, I, you have to stay there. And I actually didn't tell my dad I dropped out. Right. Um, so yeah, my sister came and got me and I lived with her, I got a job and I got into retail management. Mm. So that was the first time I did rebel. That's the first time I really did something for myself. And actually, mm. that's the first time I believed that I could make something work. I didn't know what it was, Yeah. but I just knew I, whatever I didn't want, I'm not. I'm not going yeah. for. I'm yeah. just not doing it. Yeah. So, having done your, my research on you, as a good podcast host would do. Yeah. Um, you managed up to two hundred and fifty people in in the retail space. Is that right? Talk to us about that journey. Yeah. That was one of you know what it's. I want to say it was like the best and the worst years of my life, because it taught me so much. Mm. It taught me so much about myself, people 
and just how resilient and strong someone can be even in the darkest of times yeah um and actually i was in a, a store on oxford street and that's when i was managing that many people mm. one of the biggest stores and actually looking back now i can't believe how far i've come mm. in that way because ordinarily you think that role is is amazing and it's and it's it's success and it's fulfillment and joy. But in in my in my example, I I built a twenty five million pound company, had a hundred people. At the time, I thought it was the best thing ever. Yeah. And now I've got I manage myself. I'm a solopreneur. I've got other people that work for me. So my business is much smaller. But what I've achieved, what I'm achieving now, I think is such a much bigger deal than running a big show like that. And I think when you awaken to that, it's, it's really exciting, isn't it? Yeah, and actually, it's it's funny you said 250 people because I didn't mm. even remember that. Right, exactly, right. Okay. For me, when, when I was in retail, that was a huge thing. I would tell mm. people, oh, this is my turnover. This is how many people I'm managing. It was a huge thing. Yeah. And actually, you're right, that was success because people go, wow, mm. that's really good. Mm. Um, but now I don't remember that because actually, it's not what I wanted. Mm. Isn't that really amazing around again reverting back to myself when i got to 10 million 15 million 20 million 20 every time i got to this these milestones it was a case of like all right okay it was no kind of like there was no real joy no real fulfillment and no real kind of purpose around it and now now when i when i put uh, a, a phone call down and i had to do a good coaching call to one of my clients i like i'm like that, that's amazing and it's kind of like my outlook my perspective has totally changed and that don't get me wrong i want to strive and you know, be a world beater on everything that I'm doing and still have aspirations and goals. But I think it's about enjoying the passage of time. And everyone says that. Uh, and a lot, a lot of people don't even know what that is. What do you think? I think people don't, gotta word this right. I don't think people realize how precious time actually is mm. until something happens. Mm. And that's the danger mm. um, of time. And actually, it's scary. It's scary pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. Mm. It's scary going into the un unknown. It's scary yeah. coming out of a, a career that you've worked so hard for and you thought you wanted it and you thought yeah. that this is success. But it's only when something actually happens that's that means something to you mm. do you realize shit what was i doing so what happened then because that's the big thing to walk away from or what what, what happened to you uh in retail mm. i just i allowed external factors to get to me and i allowed people and actually no it wasn't people i allowed myself to not feel like I'm good enough. Right, okay. Okay, so my confidence was pretty low because um, I was actually in a very tough store. And like it was a high turnover, it was fast paced, but it was, mm. the management were really, really like old school. So that's something I wasn't used to. <coughs> and I went into the, into the store with the mentality of, okay, I'm gonna help this store, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. Um, yeah. And then, I just sort of broke 
and I broke within the three years that I was there and I, it was just chipping away at me mm. every single day mm. and it was an emotional time because it took me back to the moment in school where I never felt like I was good enough right okay wow interesting and that's what ate away at me for three years that mm. I was there so consciously or subconsciously what happened at school you'd been carrying that for 15 20 20 years and people say that don't go back and you know don't talk about the past but i honestly believe unless you resolve childhood trauma or whatever trauma it is you sometimes you have to take steps backwards heal and go forward you get to a point where your story is your story you've got to move on make new chapters but i think there's too many people in this world that put on a brave face and just battle through and I'm all, I'm all for it I'm all for that but eventually it just bites you on the arse it really does and it's just the patterns you need to unlearn mm. talk to us about that then because oh there were so many pa- oh my goodness <laughs> I can't even we'd be here for hours go on give us give us um, some, some of your worst examples of the patterns you used to repeat <laughs> oh, we're all guilty of it you know what I, the thing is, the one of the biggest patterns that I, and I don't even want to call it a pattern, that I had to break was putting on the brave face and being, I used to have like a resting bitch face, like people (laughs) do not mess with me. Right, okay. Um, And I thought it was a weakness to wear your heart on your sleeve, Mm. to come into a workplace with emotion, to be an empath. Mm. I I was like, she'll, I, yeah, yeah. The walls came down as soon as I walked into that store, for example. The walls came down. I was ice Z. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's what I didn't like, and that's what I had to unlearn. Because norm- normally what happens is, as you say, you lose something or something happens. So w- w- what was the tr- transformation and change around? Because you know you coach people that used to be like you, right? So you, yes. that, And that's why I think good coaches... You, you can have all the qualifications and I think it's great and I know you're qualified in, and I think I think that's great but I, I think unless you've got that lived experience of going through it I don't think you can really really resonate with your clients but yeah. was there a real dark moment or a real kind of time where you thought oh my god I've just got to change and or just talk about that kind of mental health kind of aspect of it because it's the dawn of realisation that you realise actually I'm pretty fucked actually I need to do some work here and that was three months of consistent being really down, crying, um, not eating much actually. Mm. And three months doesn't sound like a long time, but when it's a three month down period where you had no up days, where you don't want to go to work. And I know people will say, I don't really want to go to work either but yeah. it was very much about on my days off I was in bed I didn't want a supermarket shop I was living off takeaways um, uh. and actually it was three months of consistently just not feeling mm-hmm. like my life was worth it mm-hmm. okay so my husband, he was incredible. He was a great support system. Mm-hmm. But there's only so much someone can do for yeah, you. Absolutely agree with that. Yeah. 
they can help with external factors like cooking, cleaning, etc. But they yeah. can't help with this or with this. No, no. Um, and it was only three months of that when I was just like, what the hell is he? Like, you, this is not you. And I didn't actually recognize myself at all. And mm. I, I love taking pride in how I look. That's just, yeah. that's something I enjoy. And being able to look in the mirror and be like, I do not recognize this woman. Yeah, right. And it's just, it was lots of different things chipping away at me for three years. Those three months were just my huge downfall. Um, and I needed that and I'm so thankful for it because after those three months, well, when it was coming to an end, I just thought, mm. I don't want to be this person. Mm. I miss the person I was a few years ago Yes. when it all began. But even then, was I okay? Because I had this underlining issue that I was carrying with me and underlining confidence issues and self-esteem issues that I was yeah. carrying since I was a teenager. So no, I wasn't actually okay. I was really just putting on a front. But you was at least aware of something that needed to be addressed. And did, yeah. how did you address it? To count your own counseling or therapy or did you just do lots of work on yourself or? It was very much all personal development. Mm. Like, and uh, Google was my best friend, basically. Right. Yeah. Um, I did trial and error, a lot of stuff. And some stuff worked, some things didn't. Yeah. Um, but it was a long journey, actually. Because you don't just become confident, or do you? How do you become confident if you're Mr. or Mr. Mr. or Mrs. Anxious? I think you it's a journey, but more often than not, isn't it having the courage to actually do things? What do you think? It's a very good question. It is very much about working firstly on your self-belief yeah. and your self-esteem, but also what you've been telling yourself all these years and why you've been telling yourself that. Mm -hmm. So for example, people will think, okay, I am not good enough, but it's usually, a, there's usually a reason behind it. There's something yeah. that's happened yeah. that's made them feel like they're not good enough. And that's being held in their subconscious mind. And then they gather evidence as years go on mm. to think, to just prove, okay, I am not good enough. Yeah. I'm not good enough. Okay, so I didn't do that. I didn't score that goal. I'm not good enough. I didn't, I don't know, yeah. hit my goal. I'm not good enough. I think that this is an important point. I think it's about opening your heart. The reason why people do what you just said is I think when they get that disappointment or that feeling of not good enough, it is a feeling. And because it's a feeling, they, they're patterned to search and feel that again because it's familiar and it's a feeling. And what we have to do is unwire that and believe that there's... And this is why people get scared in love and relationships because when they start to... It's an uncomfortable, unusual feeling. And I think... I'm no psychologist, but I think often we repeat patterns because it's familiar to go, well, this shame, this guilt, this anxiousness is is un uneasy, but it's familiar to me, so it's comfortable to me. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's true, though. No, it's true. It's it's a comfortable feeling. And, think, and it's a pattern. Thinking mm. anything above and beyond that or a little bit different to that is... Unlearn, you have to unlearn yeah. what you've already learned. Mm. And it's actually hard to do, especially when you don't know how to do it. 
yeah. it's quite overwhelming when yeah. you don't know where to begin. And no. this is why people go to a counselor, therapist or coach because they think, okay, I've got all these thoughts, I've got all these plans, I don't know how to channel them positively, Yeah, yeah. I need help. Yeah, yeah. But it's also, it's, it's difficult because like when you do get those feelings of shame, instead of what people do as well, they either repeat them or they'll cover them up with drink drugs or whatever as well. And I think, I'm not saying don't have a good, good time and do it, but sometimes you have to embrace and lean into it as well. There's so much different advice, but I, I think it's a bit like diet, it's a bit like exercise. I think that there's never a one size mental health, there's never a one size fits all. So that, and I, but I think you've got to, it is a bit of trial and error. You've got to find, yes, higher coaches like yourself and myself. And I think I, I encourage that. But ultimately, as you said, a coach can lead you to water, but it can't make you drink. And I think I've had different, I'm a coach, I'm a leader. I've had mentors as well, and I still do have mentors, but ultimately, I, I choose different coaches when I feel I need them, then I don't because I think, hang on, Chris, you've got to start doing things yourself as well. And I think I think a good coach can see that in somebody, in somebody and give them the tools, but don't wipe their ass. What do you think? Yeah, and it's funny you said that actually, mm. because um, someone said to me the other day, oh, uh, you're a coach. Okay, can you motivate me to go to the gym? <laughs> and I just exactly. thought, yeah, yeah. hang on, that's actually not what I do. No. Um, it's very much about you, the client, motivating yourself, but I will give you and help you with the tools yeah. to find your why, your passion. Yeah. Let's make it fun. Let's just make it an open road where you can just go and it's like a playground or mm. something. Mm. Um, and I think with a coach, we're still trying to understand what a coach actually is in the UK. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's There's been a, a stigma, huge isn't thing. there? It's a bit like, you know, that I think on LinkedIn, it's like any form of coaches they get a, a bit of banter at them but i defy anyone not to have a mentor coach i think what is it is it the word coach or why do you think that is i think it's because just tell you the, the truth yeah go on. because there are people out there and i'm not i'm not trying to slate anyone but mm. There are people like you and I who have really qualified and worked hard for something like this. But also we've gone through a life experience where yes. we can help our clients through something specific, it's our niche. Mm. Um, but I've come across a lot of people who will call themselves a coach with no tools under their belt or yeah. they they don't have the qualification to help them maneuver mm. a coaching session in particular, for example. It's more, almost like just a good ear. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's like a counselling thing. There's, di there's a difference between a counselling. Uh, you know, you can sit there and listen to somebody, and, that, and that's great. Yeah. But also, you can have you can have all the all the spreadsheets and presentations as a coach as well. But unless you're in tune with emotional intelligence and in Q and B, I think that that's that's really important as as, as well. Go going back to kind of relationships, um, there's a lot of narrative on various social media platforms about guys like Andrew Tate. I'm sure you've heard of him. Um, and equality and equity and all this kind of stuff. In general, what do you think men can do more of to be better men for women and help women? And also vice versa, where do you think women go wrong? What do you think women could do more of to be better for men? Because controversially, I know there's a lot of injustice and inequity against women, but there's also some against men. And in the round, I think it's fairly equal. What do you think to all that? <laughs> okay, let's word this carefully. <laughs> um, word it how you feel. So with 
so let's go back to the first question. So men, so how can they help women? Yeah. Okay. So I think, is this in relationships or just general? Yeah. Both actually. I mean, th things like what, what makes a good partner, what doesn't make a good partner, you know, I think the stereotypes as well, isn't there around you know, the man should go out and do this or the woman should do that and, you know, um, roles with, that we should or shouldn't play, masculine energy, feminine energy. There's a lot of shit being talked about, but yeah. what's, the, what's the real deal in your opinion? So, masculine energy is a funny one actually, and feminine energy too, because mm. even with men, um, I just feel like there's a lot of pressure for men and mm. sometimes, I've got to be really careful with how I word this. I do think that, and I'm just going to give you an example just actually, because it. Yeah. it'll help me to explain it better. Yeah. I think as a as a woman in a relationship, I would have to create a safe space mm -hmm. for the man to voice his opinion and his feelings. Yes. And his emotions. Mm. Um, and that is a huge part of being a woman. Mm. And I just think that with men not speaking up and this being a huge thing, I think as women, we need to be able to support men actually speaking up and support them as well as them supporting us. I think that's a beautiful answer because I think there's too many women in this world that deem not allowing but giving their partners that opportunity to do that as, as weakness because i think even women think men need to not do that and actually i, I, I i'm i'm encouraged that you've said that because i've been in relationships where it was impossible for that to happen and i think i think that that is that is real understanding of what what we think our partners need and the reality of that, and I, I, I think that's a good understanding of, because I, I think society thinks men don't need that. I think, but men do need that. That's exactly what we need. We need to be able to talk and open up and 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 and, and show our emotion as much as being the the provider stereotypically and all these kind of you know having a purpose in terms of our work and stuff like that. But to feel that we can open up is is a great thing. So I'm glad you said that. And actually, I think the non-judgmental free zone. Mm. And actually, we'll, I'll go back to my point, which is one of my points at the start. Yeah. Being able to create a safe space, non-judgmental non free zone, and just listening to understand each mm. other instead of listening to respond. Why were you so fearful of saying the right thing? Was I mean, that doesn't sound controversial at all. It sounds lovely. No, it's only because sometimes when you word it wrong, it can right, okay. appear as... yeah. What about uh, the other way around then? What can what can us men do more to help? Support change. Mm. And actually, I know women are, they're becoming much more powerful. They're just building empires. It's, yeah. it's incredible. Yeah. But also supporting that um, because that's all we need, really, just mm. to be, feel supported, be seen, be heard. Yeah, yeah. Um, and actually just feeling like we're good enough. That's something we do ourselves anyway. And that's yeah. just people mm. and we should be doing that however feeling supported is just a whole different story and actually mm. when I was building myself up and I was going through that tough time 
um, when I was 27. I remember someone who I just met and I was 29 years old and I was telling him my plans and he was actually in one of the retail stores with me and he said, Z, I don't even know you, but the way you're speaking, mm. I believe you're gonna make it happen. Mm. And just the fact that someone said that to me who didn't really know me, I'd, I'd known him for a few months to be honest, but yeah, just to have that belief in me was an incredible thing. Yeah. So just to have that support, it can change someone's yeah. day, it can change someone's week. So what makes you different then to the other coaches? What, what Talk us through kind of like what you do in terms of getting your clients in a position of confidence. Okay, so I am different simply because I will resonate with some people that other coaches won't. Um, I am very happy-go-lucky. I am quite positive. Yeah. Some people will call it naive. I will call it, <laughs> I just want to be the best that I can be. I want to wake up with a smile on my face yeah. and I want to make the most of my time. Of course. Um, so I understand that I will not resonate with every single person, but the people I do resonate with, I will take them on a journey as to something similar that I went on. Yeah. Um, and actually, if it's a case of a client comes to me and says, Z, I really just want to boost my confidence. I have an online course, which I will yeah. take them to. However, yeah. if they say, Z, I have specific goals. This is what I want to achieve, A, B, and C. Mm. I want to, and on that journey, I want to increase my confidence and my self-esteem. Yeah. That's when I will take them on as a client and we'll go through every single thing in regards to making clear goals, making clear action plans. But whilst mm. they do that, removing the blockages, removing the roadblocks of yeah. their self-esteem, yeah. just so they can grow as people, grow in their career, grow as uh, mm. an auntie, a daughter, a, yeah. you know, a sister, just yeah. grow as people. Because how I built my coaching and non-exec director business is that I've built businesses and I can go into any business and help them grow. I've been there, done that, and I, want, I keep wearing the t-shirt, which is great. But actually, paradoxically, how I've won my clients is, is, is being very vulnerable, opening up, telling my story, talking about my own mental health, all this kind of stuff, and kind of a, appealing to the human side of things. So paradoxically, as a coach or as a, as a life coach or as a, as a, as a, as a leader, um, you need to train people to be uh, strong and resilient and all that kind of stuff. But actually, I think showing a bit of your vulnerability can really, really help with not just the buy-in, but to show that we're all human and actually um, getting through that growth change and transformation can involve you opening up and I think it encourages your 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 clients to be stop putting on the brave face, stop telling me what I want to hear. And actually let's 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 get vulnerable first before we start to do a speech in front of four thousand people and tell everyone how great we are. Yeah. And what that's a really good point actually because yeah. it's not about being professional. Mm. It's just about being yourself because they buy into you they buy into your personality they mm. buy into your story mm. um so it is about being vulnerable and showing that you're human you make mistakes just like everybody yeah. else yeah yeah absolutely so we're kind of coming towards the end it's been fascinating so far um what's one thing um that people misunderstand about you or misunderstood about you do you think i think it's See, I have created the life that I have today and I've built it up from ground zero. 
Okay. Um, and I think with the way I portray myself, because I like to walk into a room and just be like, hey, how are you guys? And yeah. I just like to be that big personality because I enjoy talking to people. Mm, I enjoy talking to people, but I love my alone time. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm very on the spectrum of like yeah. being out there and social, but, but having time for myself. But when I show up, I really show up. And that is just me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think I people perceive me as maybe I've had it easy. Right, okay. Um, because even when I was in my retail management work, I grew, I climbed the ladder really quickly, but that was through real hard work. But also I was trying to prove a point because I dropped out of drama school. So I was just like, I need to climb this ladder and earn that money and be successful. Yeah. So, and actually when I was younger, I saw my parents work very, very hard for us. So hard work is just ingrained in me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. Like people just think, oh, Z's had it easy. It's yeah 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 she's quite lucky it all falls on her lap and all of that but actually no it was really hard it was really hard work do you feel that you have to prove yourself to anyone anymore because normally what happens with these situations where your parents have been like that and sort of telling you you're not good enough you're constantly trying to validate that through different aspects how's how's that been for you um you know what that has actually been a journey because i had to feel like I was enough to ensure that I wasn't proving a point and I was doing things to make myself happy. And actually, as a result, my mum seeing how happy I am in my day-to-day life shows her a different type of success and shows her that it was all worth it. Mm -hmm. She will never hold it against me that I dropped out of drama school or anything like that. She just knows that I'm really happy and that's yeah. what means more to me than anything. Yeah. Um, and I'm actually, I'm just that child that I'm okay. Like I'm good. Mm. Um, mm. And if it's not okay, I will take the action to make it okay. Like I'm just yeah. an action taker. So yeah. to be able to actually say, no, I don't need to, prove a point anymore like Mm. i just live my life yeah however i want is there anything you've been scared to reveal or anything that you feel probably isn't um important um anything you're scared to reveal that you feel that could help somebody in your life because i mean you, you can wear your heart on your sleeve can't you almost too much sometimes or can you what do you think Okay. Um, do you think you could wear your heart on your sleeve too much? I think that's an accusation people throw at people who are open enough and honest enough to be vulnerable. I don't believe it, actually. I think th- there's limits. I mean, you can talk about Prince Harry doing what he's doing. I mean, he's spilling the beans, isn't he? But I think that um, there's pretty much not anything I would be uncomfortable about revealing um, and it's taken me a long time to get to that place I'm not saying everyone should just go on social media now and pour their hearts out but I do I do think that I think it's important if you want to be authentic want to be real remove the mask and talk about these things right yeah um, that's a really good point yeah and actually 
Vulnerability is a strength mm -hmm. in my eyes. Yeah. Um, being able to talk about your story and being really transparent with it mm. is an incredible thing to do because actually I think also not only does it take away a, a little bit from your burden because you're so open about it and I yeah. feel like yeah, yeah. it just lightens the load a little bit. Yeah. But it will resonate with someone it needs to resonate with and it will help someone in some sort of way. Um, in regards to me talking about something and being uncomfortable to talk about something, actually, I would have to say I have revealed my story, the majority of my story. Okay. Um, is there something that's under my belt that I've not spoken about? Yeah, there is. Mm -hmm. And there is a yeah there's a definitely a reason why i've not spoken about that mm. there's a time and a place for these things right yeah but i think i think that um i think true true growth is is, is 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 being able to do that um because if you really didn't care what people think you wouldn't hold back but yeah. obviously there's often mitigating circumstances right um, and some things people could say you know why would you even do that but i think if you, I, th I think if you go with the right intention and normally my intention is to help other people but also it helps myself and i think i think that you know the biggest killer uh, of of um men is is of my age is, is suicide is a big thing you know and, and in this day and age i think what you said about encouraging men to do that is 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 such a powerful and important thing to to, to push i think out there um on that on that point what's what's if you had your own billboard what would you put on that billboard my own billboard for what exactly any message you wanted anyone to see they're driving past or this is Zena's billboard what would it what would it say that would be love yourself first mm -hmm. be kind mm. and actually time is precious mm. because for me I just I feel like I'm one of those people that I wear my heart on my sleeve yeah and I don't I don't care what anyone thinks about that to yeah. be honest mm -hmm. um and I know there's there's a couple of things that have happened over the years and it's just like you need to make a conscious effort of where you put your time and I don't mm. think people value that enough. Mm. People give mm. their time away mm. like they're gonna get it back tomorrow. Yeah. You're like this yeah. moment right yeah. here, this this hour, this second, we will never ever get back. And I've mm. consciously made a decision today to come here to yeah. have a chat with yourself yeah. and to put a word out there and to talk about yeah. this stuff. Um, but I don't think people do that enough. No. They, they, they don't make a conscious decision totally. no. to scroll on social media for five hours. And I'm not saying that that doesn't create them happy, create happiness mm. for someone else. Mm. I um, agree. But it's just very much autopilot, mundane. And actually this is your time. This yeah. is your life. Like if your life was a book, would you read your own book? Yeah. There's so many people in this world going, doing their not, not 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 I'm not slating nine to five, but getting up, doing their work, whatever it is, coming home, having their meal, weekend, 
on repeat, eat, sleep, work, repeat kind of stuff. And before they know it, they're, they're 40, 50, 60. And it's like, and I think sometimes um, it's about understanding what the hell you want. What is your why? And this is why I talk about purpose being 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 so important. Kind of on the, on the same sort of point, spirituality is important to me. You've got a big crystal there. What's, what, what, what does spirituality mean to you? So, um, would I call myself spiritual? Okay. So I grew up in a, in, in a Muslim household. Okay. So I went to mosque um, and it was a very religious household. No, not very religious. My mom was quite religious. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually I came away from that a little bit and it taught me a lot about morals, about respect, about kindness. Yeah. And then when I was in my 20s, I was like, oh, what is spirituality? What is this <laughs> manifestation? What is law of attraction and all of this stuff? Yeah. Um, and it's sort of ki- kind of intertwined with religion for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, I'm just very simple with my spirituality. Like I'll wear my crystals because yeah. of what they represent. I will, I will sage my house. Yeah. Um, I will do my full moon ritual. Yeah. But also, I will just put out there what I want to get back. Mm. Mm. And I think that's the fundamentals of it. Yeah, and I do believe in that. I do believe that, you know, well, from my own experience, when I've started to be grateful, doing my gratitude list, talking and collecting to my higher power and doing the kindness, doing the doing the um, the self-care, um, hey presto, telling myself I love myself and all these kind of things the abundance just came flooding through. And again, there's, there's people out there that go, whatever, mate. But, you know, I, I think it's so important. I, I, I do think that um, you've got to have something. You've got to believe that there's something out there, I think. Um, I, I to, think it helps with faith and hope. Yeah. Faith, right? yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, What's your proudest moment? My apart, proudest from, apart from being here, of course. Of course, that's number one. <laughs> My proudest moment would have to be when I decided to take life by the balls mm-hmm. and do things for me. Sure. And I just decided to make things happen. Mm. I didn't know how the hell I was gonna do it. Yeah. Um, I just knew I was gonna make it work mm-hmm. and I bloody did. Bless you. So we're kind of coming towards the end. So give give the audience some tips around mental health, um, life, health, that kind of stuff. What, do you have a morning routine? What sort of stuff do you do? I definitely have a morning routine and an evening routine. Okay. Um, and it's something that I, if I don't do it, I feel like my day is lost. Yeah, yeah. Um, and my morning routine is actually for an hour. I read The 5 a.m. Club mm. by Ro- Robin yeah, Sharma. Yeah, I read that, yeah. Um, and I read it, I think it was two, three years ago now, and I wanted to implement it, and I didn't implement it until last year. However, I get up at 5 a.m., and I actually do my meditation, I'll do stretching, I will do my gratitude journal, um, and I'll do my journaling as well. And that is something that I need to pour out because Mm -hmm. I am very heavy when it comes to emotions, and I will feel a lot of things and if I don't put them down on paper I Mm. will carry them with me for the rest of the day and I don't like doing that 
Um, so my morning routine is very much in stone and it's there. Yes, yes. The power of journaling, I, I, I wanted to ask you about this. Ever since I started doing it, it's almost like, wow, it's kind of like it becomes real it, or you release the, uh, is it, the... I would recommend that to anybody on a daily basis. Write down, it could be anything. But it's, you, you're kind of like... You're kind of like processing, cleaning, clearing, aren't you, I think, when you write stuff down, right? Yeah, and it actually, there was, um, there was someone said it like this, and it made me understand it so much better. Mm-hmm. Imagine your thoughts as pebbles in a jar, mm-hmm. and your jar is your brain, your mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And if you don't empty those pebbles onto paper or out of those, uh, on, onto paper when you're writing it down, yeah. or out of the jar, it yeah, starts yeah. to overflow. Mm-hmm. And that is what journaling is. It's very much about emptying all the pebbles that don't need to be there, throwing mm. them away, and actually only filling the jar with the stuff that you actually have time for in the day. Yeah. And ever since, and I only know that because when I thought of journaling, I was like, what is this rubbish? Yeah. Like, why would I have to write down my thoughts? Can I not just write down a to-do list on my phone? Mm. But no, it's so different when you put pen to paper and you physically write it mm. black and white. Sure. And it's just there. On paper, you can rip it up if you want, and it's just a, a sense of yeah. lightness afterwards. Yeah. So being a positive, confidence coach and mindset um, expert, all that kind of stuff, you're still a bloody human being, right? Yeah. So what pisses you off? What 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 gets you angry? And when was the last time you got angry, and why? Ooh. <laughs> when was the last time I got? Oh, okay. All right. So. What pisses me off? What pisses me off is how things are so disposable now. Yeah. Like, I just feel like people don't want to look after things anymore. Like, even whether it's relationships, whether it's things, whether it's, I don't know, just something. They just yeah. don't want to. And I don't feel like there's just a lack of effort and a lack of respect sometimes mm-hmm. for things and for other people. Yeah. And um, because they feel like you can be replaced or that can be replaced. And mm. I feel like when I was growing up, I was very much taught about just look after the people around you. Yeah. Look after your things. Yeah. Because firstly they're worth money, but I know money's not important. However, it's the worth for you. Yeah. So if this is important to you, you make the effort. Yeah, you, of course. You treat each other with respect. But if there's just an argument between us, oh, okay, you can be replaced. It's mm. fine. I'll just find another friend. Of course. And that's one thing that really pisses me off because mm. I feel like the lack of effort now. Yeah, yeah. It's just because everything's instantly available. Like, as an example, food delivery. But you, you know, as you say, on it gets to a point where you can dispose or or introduce people and friends and family and girlfriends and husbands like really like hang on a second. It's dangerous, dangerous, really, isn't it? To think that you can make one mistake or have one falling out and then it's game over. And I think I'm all for being decisive. <laughs> I mean, sometimes you've got to really, really think about. Um, I think it's 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 that um, what's the, what's the word? Impulse as well, isn't there? There's a lot of impulse going on around the next best shiny thing or person. Yeah, and also I think it feeds the ego. Yeah. And there's this whole concept of what's the difference between confidence and ego. And there's a huge difference. Mm. And stuff like that will feed the ego. It won't make you more confident. Buying a new bag. Yeah. 
and forgive me if I offend anyone, but buying yeah. a new bag will feed your ego. Yeah, yeah. Like, for me, anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Before we kind of go, just a couple more questions. What, what does the future look like for you? Where, where, where I'm not going to say that question, where you're going to be in five or ten years' time, but what's your vision? What's your purpose? What's your kind of future going to look like? Okay, so there's a lot of traveling in my future, so that's right. a very personal Great. one. Because um, I definitely plan to go back to traveling. Um, however, purpose-wise, I just want to carry on creating that safe space for people mm. where they are able to talk. Yes. Because when I was in my darkest times, I didn't talk much. Um, and I just wanted that non-judgmental zone where people didn't have opinions, they just listened. Yeah. But also, I want to be able to just carry on ensuring that people start believing in themselves mm. because if you don't believe in yourself you don't yeah. believe in yourself you're never ever going to feel like you're enough so that's the journey that I'm going to be on and also there's just a lot of um, business things as well which um, is very exciting for the horizon because 2023 is going to be an immense year it is, I yeah. feel like 2022 was the stepping stone of something very huge this year Absolutely. Well, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, what's the last thing or one thing you want to leave the audience with before we go? And also, where can people find you? Okay. So I'd love to let them know that they are enough. Mm -hmm. They've always been enough and they always will be enough. And I hope they start believing that if they don't already. Yes. Um, and they that. Yeah. And they can find me on Instagram, Z-E-E-P-I-T-U-L-A. Z -E -E -P -I -T -U -L -A. Love it. What an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. The Purpose Led Leadership Podcast is sponsored by Vincherry, the recruitment operating system used by over 20,000 recruiters worldwide. I chose to partner with Vincherry because I'm a customer and I love their modern rec operating system a single tech platform to streamline the front, middle and back office operations of executive search, perm, contract and temp businesses. If you're looking for a breed of new tech partner, talk to Vincherry. They have followed us on support with seven offices around the world. Check them out at vincherry.io forward slash Chris O'Connell for an exclusive offer for all listeners.